I know that Lent has already gone and disappeared, but that does not mean that we still continue this journey with our Lord. And now we enter this Paschal time, this Paschal time, which we should always remember the mercy of God. The church today likes to mention the mercy of God, right? Even in a German accent, mercy of the church, you know. <laughs> Whatever, and they make these books saying that this is mercy, you know, like, oh, um, you know, excusing someone of their faults, that's mercy, you know. This is not true mercy, right, as we know that. You know, maybe people might mislead you, even maybe clergy. So we need to step forward into this new journey of Easter, Okay, If we haven't done our resolutions yet, maybe some of us haven't or Lent, we still need to do that now. Okay, And we need to continue that. And so this conference, this uh, spiritual conference that we have today, I would like you to be uh, more immersed into this week that we have concluded. All right, what is this week actually? Do you remember? Maybe some of you have assisted daily during this week. What is this week considered as? Divine Mercy Week? Easter Week. Easter Week. What does Easter Week mean? Isn't next week an Easter Week? Isn't two weeks from now Easter Week? What's so special about this week? It's the octave. It's still in the octave, yes. Octave. What does octave mean? Eight, 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 eight,
Right. Yes. Remember, Epiphany symbolized, right? We celebrate the three miracles, right? The three miracles first. The, the manifestation, right, of Jesus to the three magi. Right? And yesterday, I was at dinner with Canon Buchholz uh, to talk about future plans. And, and there, was, there was this man that was tapping my back saying, you're going to try this snail. So I ate it. Then afterwards he said, he said there was actually a fourth wise man. Well, I know. Well, that's, was he German? He, he, was, uh, he was Armenian. So there was probably, you know, there was this very, um, this myth, right? That a fourth man came, but missed Mm-hmm. that epiphany, right? And that's why he came to the crucifixion, right? The fourth wise man. Well, that's just a side note to keep this exciting. The second miracle of epiphany was? Or the manifestation, the second manifestation during epiphany was? Baptism of the Lord, right? Where Christ, God, the Holy Trinity manifested himself in front of the River Jordan, in front of everyone, saying, Beloved, this is my beloved son, right? Listen to him. He said, listen. How many times we don't listen to him? The third one is, of course, the wedding at Cana, where water turned to a very good drink, right? And that's when he uh, also elevated, right? He, he, he respected the dignity of marriage, right? And became a sacrament, right? But only, only... Through his blood, right, on Good Friday, right, through the birthday of the church. Right? A lot of people say Pentecost is the birthday, right? No, it's the, it's the Good Friday. And so we have all these octaves, right? That's why I was talking about these feasts. Now we talk about this very special octave, right, in the church. There are many, you know, they like to classify things. In the Roman rites, they like to say, oh, first class, second class, third class, fourth class, you know. Back then, there used to be more classifications, right? Like, first of a double, the double of a first class, double of a second class, double major, double, all, all that. You see that? I think some of you have this missile, which I recommend to you, because it has rich texts, okay? Uh, every Sunday, you know, um, it gives you a very, very good introduction of each Sunday, okay? More than the... The current ones, the reprinted ones, the retypeset ones, you know, by Boronius or Erroneous Press, right? Erroneous Press, you know, all the typos that they have. Um, <laughs> Angelus Press, right? That's a good one too, right? But, but this, um, this one I used at, at seminary, uh, it's a very good one. It's the St. Andrew Missal. But, of course, you have to get a good year because it's not all good years. Uh, it's the... It's the 1945 edition, right? This is the pre, um, with, had the old Holy Week. So it does have the 12 prophecies of, of Easter vigil. And that is something we missed, right? Unfortunately, and maybe some of you are, know about the reforms of, of Pius XII, right? Unfortunately, this is what, what is now. Maybe someday we will, again, renew with, a, with better spirit, of more respect of the Holy Week liturgy. But as for now, you can look back into the past and see all of the 12 prophecies during Easter Vigil. Because we had four, right, last Easter Vigil. There were 12, and that was a long ceremony, right? And that's why it was celebrated in the morning, 
So that does it get all the way in the morning? I mean, like, yes. It was around like 10 o'clock. And then you would get out in the evening, you know, after mass. <laughs> Very practical, yes. So we just celebrated that. Okay, what did, maybe some of you celebra- um, came for Easter Vigil. What did we witness that day? Baptisms. Yes, how many? There were two. Two, two right? Mm-hmm. Two new neophytes. And that is why I would like to speak to you about today, okay? About what the meaning behind today and tomorrow, right? As we know, the new name of tomorrow is called is the nickname Mercy. Divine Mercy Sunday, right? right? Or it's called Low Sunday, Low meaning Low, or um, Dominica in Albis, so a Dominica Sunday in in white, in Albis Depositus, meaning um, one disposes the, oneself of the white garment. What's this white garment? It's the baptismal garment. It's, that's what I would like to speak about today and about this holy, this holy week that we had, this uh, holy octave week. Okay. As we know, we know this uh, hymn that we, have, uh, that we have read right throughout each of this day of, of Easter week. Ec dies quam feci dominus, exultemus et litemor in ea. This is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad that they're on. And there are these nice hymns, right? Now that the children like to say, this is the day, this is the day, right? The church had a special reason, right, for inserting this in each of the days of Easter. Right? Did you remember that? So after the first reading, right, the epistle, we had the, uh, this is the day, the, the, um, the gradual. Then you have the sequence. Right? The sequence, which is Victime Pascale Laudis, which I will speak about later, and then the gospel. But we always are reminded of this. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. This day. It's not any other day. It's the Easter day, but prolonged into eight days. So like the wedding at, the wedding at uh, Cana, the wedding was eight days long. You didn't know that? No. The Jewish wedding used to be celebrated many days. And so, you might know, maybe the disciples had arrived with Jesus during the middle of that week. And they had already run out of wine. So that means they were really celebrating. <laughs> and so that's why we, we uh, use these Jewish practices, right, into the Catholic and made it richer and celebrate great festivities eight days long. So, maybe when you reach, you know, your 90th birthday... You could have eight days of celebration, right? <laughs> right? So, and that is why this gradual, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, was said each and every day of this, uh, of this octave day, uh, uh, octave week. And this day, which means Easter, okay, not this Easter Monday or this Easter Wednesday, it's this Easter day. And that is why in the, pre- in the preface, uh, the preface talks about this most holy day, right? Ah, sacratissimum gloriosus predicar cum pasca nostra immolatus es Christus. So on Holy Saturday, let's go make a flashback, right? Maybe people were tired, they just saw the, the flame and then they went up all the flights of stairs to go and celebrate in the upper room. 
We saw that baptism, that little baptismal font that was sanctified, right, by the Paschal candle, right, by Canon Tellerico. Even, and you saw that oil, the holy oil was, was dumped into it, making crosses, making Greek characters on it and all that, breathing on it, right? Or the baptismal font, uh, the holy water font. And then the baptismal water was made. Oh, you just know that, right? The Easter water is up there for your information, right? It's not in that little silver one, the ordinary silver font. So this water baptism, right, is a laver, right? Laver of regeneration, which made these two children, right? Young, young women uh, rise to new life. And it was symbolized, as you saw, right, in their white garments. They wore a nice white garment. And this would have been traditionally worn every day of that week, of this week, until today. Right? Some people say so some people say Sunday, but I believe it was the end of this day. Okay? That's why it's called Low Sunday Sunday, because it's no longer there. Right? So this Saturday, right, last Saturday, and this coming oh, this Saturday today, I mean, the baptismal solemnities were ended and the white garment was laid aside. And that is why. Today, we nickname it Sabotumin Albis, right? In the traditional, uh, in your missiles, you'll see that. Today's, it's not Easter Saturday, it's Dominica Sabatum in Albis, Depositus, right? Being laid out. And remember too that the first octave. If we recall the human history, right? The first octave in human history. Oh, in, in, in the whole in the whole creation of time and and the story. What was the first octave? Creation. Yes. So the first day, Sunday, right? And today was a day of rest. Right? Today is the new uh, was the Sabbath. And so that's why it's simple the eighth day, right? Wait, hold on. I'm sorry, I think I'm getting it wrong. Eight, there was seven days of creation, there were six days of creation, and the seventh day was the day of rest, where God rested, right, in, in a figurative sense, right, mm-hmm. to, to see, to contemplate all of the things that, that he has made, right, and also the creation sees that, and contemplate God in all these holy things. So this first, right, octave that was celebrated by God, the angels, right, was symbolized this week. See, this is the new, renewed uh, octave, renewed octave, right, of that. It makes us link back to that octave of creation. So let us reflect, okay? Let us even go back. When we say penitential time, when did we really start? Do you remember in the liturgical season? When did we start? Uh, when did we start seeing violet vestments? And, and Advent. Advent. No. Advent. Advent. Three weeks before. Anyone has a good answer? Seventy days. Three weeks. Yes. Okay. But on that day, what, what was that day? Three weeks before the Septuagesima. Septuagesima Sunday. Right. So from now, actually, from now, if you count, from now. From this day, back then, it was about 70 days. Right? I think it's exactly seven days, 70 days. And we remember that these 70 days of penance, right, of, of, is like, is a reminder of the 70 years of captivity in Babylon 
by the Hebrew people. Remember, they were 70 years away from their home. Imagine that, that you were displaced. We see many people displaced from their countries now, today, in this current events, right? In the political scheme of things. But remember that the Jews also had that deprivation of, of not seeing Zion, not seeing the holy place, right? Not seeing Canaan. And they were, and we see that in, in the Psalms, right? In the Psalms, the banks of the river, they were crying. They were crying in Babylon and wept, thinking about their home in Zion. So this exile, 70 years, in itself is a figure of our life upon earth. So it's like we're not in our home. We're, we're away from our home, our true home. Some people think that this is our home, sure. But the thing is, we must detach ourselves because this will not last, right? The earth will go away, right? There will be a new Jerusalem, right? And this exile, right, upon earth, where we are traveling at a distance from the face of the Lord because we, have, we can't see him face to face yet. For God willing, we have that beatific vision, right? Sighing for the perfect liberty, right, in the heavenly Jerusalem, of the children of God. So all those days on which the Alleluia is silent, right, for those 70 days, those Septuagesima days, belong to the time of this that season, right? And to represent the Babylon captivity, right? The life of man as an exile in this world. But on this Feast of Easter, the church celebrates with great joy and glory and beauty of the risen Savior. Right? That is really something that we have to look forward to. Okay? Despite of all the things that we face today in the world, maybe the problems we face personally or in our family, right? we see this right, as a spiritual resurrection of the new, newly baptized from the death of sin to the life of grace. That is something that we ought to practice all the time. Right? We cannot stop. So if we've done it in Lent, we should still continue it for the 40 days of Easter. Actually, 50 days, right? 50 days, because it stops until the octave of, after the octave of Pentecost, right? 50th day, huh? Pentecost, Pentecost, right? So, the octave is a prolonged festal celebration forming but one joyful day, okay? So imagine it's like eternity. It's like a day and it's like prolonged. That's like heaven. It's a whole octave, you know. And this is the day the Lord has made. Let us be rejoicing, be glad. There are. That's the translation that they put. So, the sequence now. I would like to uh, talk about that. The sequence is a very nice, uh, which we, we're not going to hear anymore, unfortunately, right? It's only done during these days. But I hope that you have meditated upon it a little bit, right? Maybe you kind of read it. You know, mm -hmm. I think, hopefully, no? Didn't rely on the priest just to say it? Okay. So today was the last day, right, where we heard these, these, uh, this sequence. So six, two, two, three. I'm going to read the translation. Forth to the Paschal victim, Christians, bring your sacrifice of praise. The lamb redeems the sheep. Jesus redeems his lost sheep. And the Christ, the sinless one, hath to the Father sinners reconciled. He has reconciled us to the Father. Together, death and life 
in a strange conflict stroll. The prince of life who died, imagine, the principle of life had to die. That's a contradiction. Now lives and reigns. What thou sawest, Mary, Mary Magdalene, of course. What did you see on that way? I saw the tomb wherein the living one hath lain. I saw his glory as he rose again. Napkin and linen clothes and angels twain. Yeah, Christ is risen, my hope, and he will go before you into Galilee. We know that Christ indeed has risen from the grave. Hail thou King of victory, have mercy, Lord, and say, Amen, Alleluia. It's a very old uh, prose. Okay, in Latin, it sounds better. And it's attributed, whole, I think, to St. Peter Damien. Damien huh? That's in the thousands. So it's a, it's a thousand-year-old hymn. So we should venerate these holy words, and maybe you could meditate upon that during the whole Easter season. Okay? So we see that. We see now, once these baptized have been deposed of their garments to put on normal garments like us, we have to still remember, we have to try to keep our white garment as white as possible, right? Right? The, the baptismal garment that we have. I know it had been sullied, it had been stained, right? And that's why we go to confession, right? And we, and we take penances still during the whole year. So, now is the time of mercy, right? Now we like to talk about mercy. And, ah, there was something else. During this week, there was also um, the ceremony, right? This today we had a there was a ceremony where uh, the bishop would receive all of the the, the newly baptized to to say, okay, now it's time to remove, you know, and and be part of the of the church, right? And they remove their white garments and now they they wear regular coats, okay? And they're called the neophytes, right? So they would visit, okay, to the baptistry, right? where they were baptized. And the office of Vespers uh, terminated with the station before the crucifix, okay? And the neophytes are then led to a room adjoining the cathedral. Because remember, the cathedral used to be the source of all the sacraments, right? And it's been given, you know, permission is given to the parishes, right, to, to baptize. Because now it's very hard to baptize everyone in the dioceses, right? The archdiocese, the big archdiocese. So the bishop goes to his throne. Remember, he has a throne to, to show where he's teaching. Because remember, he teaches not standing, but sitting down as a magister, as a lord, as a teacher. That's why at Guichiano, the professor sits when he teaches. And just does like this. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know but... <laughs> And then all college professors, you know, they like to sat and like put their pockets in their <laughs> like this. Take like that. That's what modern is. So the bishop would sit in his throne, okay? And then seeing the newly baptized standing around him. So imagine like that, like that. So all the baptized the white garments, right? That might have got already um Dirty because of the ground, the dirt, and all that, the mud. I don't know if it was raining and all that. So, okay. We'll see about that. Okay. He addresses them in a discourse wherein he expresses the joy he feels as pastor. Because remember, he is the high pastor, the high priest of his land. Right? He's like the little pope of his land. 
So imagine the bishop today sitting like that, and imagine our archbishop sitting in the throne and seeing all of the newly baptized in the white garments. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, maybe someday. Um, he sees, he feels at the increase wherewith it was pleased. He, it has pleased God to bless his much-loved flock. He congratulates them upon the grace they have received. And then, alluding to the main object of their coming together this afternoon, right, so after they have mass, at lunch, they, they come back to the cathedral, um, that is, the laying aside of the white garments they received after baptism. He warns them with paternal affection, right? With holy charity, right? Not like, oh, no, not do that. Because correcting in a bad way will not help correct these little ones who have received baptism, right? So that's why he is very fatherly, right? The bishop should be very fatherly, right? It's to his priests, to his people that he serves. To keep a guard over themselves and see that they never sully the purity of soul. See, something that we should always remind ourselves during this Easter season, <clears throat> of which their right, white robes have been but an emblem, right? And some have misinterpreted this white alb, right? This white garment, Martin Luther of all people, right? He thinks that we're all dirty inside and just put, just put on a white garment and God will see, oh, you're, you're nice and clean. Okay, go ahead. Go to heaven. <clears throat> that we haven't been... The thing is, yes, you know that, right? The difference between the justification, right? Of the Protestant and the, uh, and, and the Catholic. Unfortunately, they misinterpret St. Augustine and many, many other things that we are always bad, we are always negative, we are always sinful, and God, we can never be fully cleansed by the blood of Christ, right? And so, they made up this invention saying, oh yes, we must put on the white garment, right? This white garment, which actually comes from this, from baptism, mm. which fully restores our nature, right, back to God. But for them, we're still dirty inside, so we just have to cover it up. It's like putting makeup or putting new, you know, like you, you didn't shower today, but you still put nice clothes, you know, take your hair like that. It's like that. That's, that's, that's the Lutheran view of things. So still, they feel it's still dirty, but the thing is, this is just to um, see Christ and say, oh, okay, come in, come to the gate, go, go to heaven. All right. It's not the way of things, huh? This is not, this is a fake. It's fake. It's very uh, misleading. Hmm? Because some people think that. Mm -hmm. People think that we believe that doctrine. No, no. Please, please try to correct. You know, say, oh, my brother, my sister, do not say that. This is not true. Remember the catechism that you have been taught, right? And so hopefully uh, things will be corrected, right, in the end. And so these were lent to the neophytes by the church, right? So it was on loan. Okay, so you've got to use next year um, these white garments. Uh, and they come now to restore them. So they have to get the water in which the garments are to be washed, right? The white garments is blessed by the pontiff. Imagine that. A holy laundry. <laughs> as soon as he has finished the address to which he, we had just been alluding, he says a prayer wherein he speaks of the power given to this element of cleansing the stains of the soul herself. Imagine that. See, it's a symbolism of, of baptism again. All this richness that we don't see anymore, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, this is Don Guéranger, by the way. Yeah. Then turning to the neophytes, he recites 
the 116th Psalm in Thanksgiving, to which he adds this beautiful prayer. Visit, O Lord, thy people with thy salvation. Behold it, now illumined with the paschal joy. But do thou vouchsafe to preserve in our neophytes what thou thyself hast wrought in them unto salvation. Grant that whilst laying aside these white robes, the change may be but exterior, right? That the spotless purity of Christ, which the eye cannot see, right? Because people think, oh, that, God, that person is holy. Wow, because wow, how he genuflects very properly. How he bows 90 degrees, right? Or how he says kind words. No, it's not, that does not determine our interior disposition, right? So we must always connect that, huh? The interior way of seeing things and the exteriorness, right? Has to be connected. Just like our body and soul, it's connected. It cannot separate it, or else we'll die. We see, may ever be in their souls, so that they may never lose it. Also us, so that we may never lose it. And that thy grace may assist them to gain by good works that immortal life whereunto the Paschal mystery obliges us to aspire. All right? And there's this last ceremony which I would like to speak in these last few minutes. Oh, I didn't get to cover the... Um, I was going to quote uh, this great saint, but temper it with another great saint, St. Augustine here. Maybe I could do that. Well, if you allow me, then we could just hurry up to the, to the benediction. <laughs> Wednesday. Holy Wednesday. Remember. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Easter Wednesday. Sorry, not Holy Wednesday. Easter Wednesday. So two, three days ago. In, I think, St. John Lateran, huh? Where was the station at that? See, because uh, we gotta know. You know the stational churches? Oh, maybe one day I'll, I'll speak about the stational churches, right? Because you see in your missile, say, oh, what's this station at St. Pancras? Oh, what does that mean? Okay, I'll, maybe I'll explain that, or maybe in a private conference, you know, <laughs> during a Sunday or something like that, you could ask me. But Easter Wednesday, so that was at St. Lawrence, outside the wall, without the walls. Uh, that's at the place in Rome, right? Mm -hmm. This thing that we have lost, unfortunately. See, all these, these Easter celebrations that people like to look forward to. Okay, I know that everyone cannot go to Rome that day on, on Easter Wednesday, <laughs> but the Pope tries to do something in order to show his paternity, right? His, 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 his um, generosity, right? And his mercy. And what is that? What do you think was that? No one? No? Huh? No, oh, that's, oh, no, no, that's, that's something else. It's something else. That was last year, the Jubilee, right? And it's, it's going to end later this year. But what I'm talking about is something that we have lost. We still do it. The Jubilee, we do. But this is the ceremony which had been done in the middle of this past week. Okay? After this, okay, this is going to be, the, okay. The men by their godfathers and the women by their godmothers, the neophytes take off the white garments, which are then consigned to those whose duty is to wash and keep them. That's for next year. <laughs> and, okay, and now, the sponsors having assisted their spiritual children, right? Imagine, who are godfathers and godmothers here? Wow, so you have a very good responsibility, right? A grave responsibility, a very holy responsibility, and one that is very rewarding. <clears throat> Imagine if the parent dies, you must take over, huh? The spiritual and also the physical welfare, right? That's a grave for baptism, especially, huh? If you're a baptismal sponsor. That's so time. these sponsors, right? Time. Good. 
Okay, five more minutes. Five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very special moment. Okay, here. The sponsors, having assisted, right? Lead them to the pontiff who distributes to each an image of the divine lamb. So imagine, oh, I can't draw, there's no uh, thing. But imagine like a medallion, like a, a medallion, okay? That has stamped on it and bows on it the Paschal lamb. So usually it's the, you see nice mm-hmm. images of the lamb with the blood flowing out. Mm-hmm. The palm usually has a palm branch. And um, what does he have else? Yes, and maybe a missile on, uh, underneath him, right? Stamped. It is the Paschal symbol. It is called the Agnus Dei. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Did you see on eBay being sold now? <laughs> this distribution is made by the Pope on this day, right? The first and every seventh year of his pontificate. So imagine the Pope, when he's first year, he could have made um, uh, these Agnus Dei, which is actually wax from Paschal candles, from old, right? And they make these little... You know, like nuns, like making these um, oven-baked things, like like, and then they make these little um, medallions, okay? Mm-hmm. And then it would be put into this very like a gold cauldron, right, with holy water mixed. And then I think there's a special ceremony how to do that. How to do that? It's been mixed with the holy water, the Easter water, and the holy wax. So it's really fully blessed, mm-hmm. right? So this, okay, every first and seventh year. So hopefully the. If the Pope can hopefully makes it by the seventh year, you know, so, so he could do it again. So it's every, it's like a jubilee year, right? Every jubilee should be, yeah. This distribution is made by the Pope, right? And we have already ascribed the right observing in their blessing. Oh, I guess we should. Oh, we can look at that later. In another day. The Agnus Day is blessed on the Wednesday of Easter week. On the following Saturday, there is what is called Papal chap- the papal chapel in the palace. After high mass, the Agnus Dei are brought before the pontiff. So the pontiff, usually to the bishops, right? Who is seated on the throne again. Imagine the archbishop sitting with given this holy, this holy sacramental, right? The prelate who presents them sings the following words. Holy Father, these are the new lambs and they have announced to us the Alleluia. They have come but now to the fount. They are filled with light. And the Pope answers, Deo gratias. They who are happy enough to witness this function are forcibly reminded of the ancient ceremony we have been describing, in which the newly baptized were led by the bishop as the innocent lambs, whom he so gladly welcomed. The Pope then distributes the Agnus Dei to the cardinals, the prelates, and other other um, others presented by the master of ceremonies and thus is concluded this function which is interesting not only because of its signification but also because of the sacred object wherewith it consoles us so imagine this token that the holy father gives and distributes to the newly baptized usually i think it's usually given to them and also prelates and all that imagine this is the paternal generosity of the pope right so you see all these ceremonies that this past week could have been, you know, we could have done, right? Or we could have witnessed. And the thing is, we shouldn't be sad about that. We should just move forward and still remind ourselves of this. And maybe hopefully this consoles us to do good, to be merciful too, right? Merciful like the Father, right? That's what, that is what in, in John, right? Uh, no, in Luke. Luke's, Luke chapter 6. 
I hope so. <laughs> okay, yeah, he says, be, be merciful like the Father is merciful, right? That's, that is what um, Jesus Christ said. Okay, merciful, true mercy, okay? And St. Augustine says, right, what is mercy? Okay, what is true mercy, right? He says this, mercy in the church is twofold. One, that in which no one gave need, uh, need sorry, no one need give either of his money or his labor. The other, that which demands of us the service of our hands and the giving of our money. That which requires neither alms nor effort has its place in the soul, that you forgive those who offend you. That is mercy. Christ forgives you. And you should forgive others as well. And not this pseudo-mercy that people like to put onto the real mercy, right? And think, oh, this is the real mercy of the church. Everything is now excusable. Everything is now allowed. No, it's not. Bring out your purse. Open your money box. Unlock your barn, right? To welcome the men, of course. Oh, again, get the food there. And neither will any man say to you, come, walk, run, hurry, intercede for me, speak, visit, work. Remaining in the same place, cast out from your heart what you hold against your brother. That is mercy. And no, at no cost, with no labor, you perform a work of mercy. By kindness alone, moved only by the impulse of compassion. Wow, that is mercy, right? St. Augustine. The whole church announces the paschal joy to all mankind. In that joy resounds victory over man's fear, over the fear which is in human consciences and arises from sin. That was the joy of the apostles gathered in the cenacle of Jerusalem. It is the church's paschal joy which has its beginning from that cenacle, that upper room, the upper room where you're now in. It has its beginning from the empty tomb below Golgotha and the hearts of those simple men who, the evening of that first day of the week, saw the risen one and heard the greeting from his mouth, Peace be with you. Amen. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.